Hello, it's Brody. I love bringing mummification to you each week, and if you'd like to support me to keep doing that, you can make a once-off donation through the Acast supporter feature. There's no regular subscription, and your donation will help pay our music license, buy audio gear, and put fuel in my car so I can keep interviewing the amazing women who share their stories with us. There's a link in the show description and episode show notes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Mummification. I'm your host, Brody Matner. This podcast is a space for women and parents to talk about how they're feeling. And sometimes they feel like swearing. So this episode may not be suitable for young ears. Are you ready? Oh, yes. speaking with Kalai McDonald. Um, Kalai is studying her Masters of Social Work and she is mummy to Jock, six. He's six? Yeah, six and a bit. Thank you for chatting with me. No, thank you. I'm actually so honoured to be here having listened to the rest of the episode. So I'm, I'm amazed that you invited me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying yes. <laughs> uh, if you were stuck on a desert island and you could take one meal, one drink and one personal item... What would they be? Okay, so the drink is easy provided you're a generous person and you allow me to just say wine. Fine. Of all descriptions. Yes. Excellent. So we're winning over there. Uh, The meal is much harder. I kind of, I feel like I should go the healthy route, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say Celestino's Pizza, which is a pizza shop in South Africa. Yes. Uh, that I dream of daily. So, yeah, Celestino's Pizza. And then the personal item is just going to have to be hand cream because I cannot stand the salty, dry, beach feeling on my hands. I need need the hand cream, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm really looking forward to our chat today because we've been trying to catch up uh, for – you know, a, a million years. Um, Kalai and I went to the same school, but you were a couple of years above me. Um, but also I just, I think you're superwoman. <laughs> I really do because you're no longer with Jock's dad. Um, so on top of becoming a mum for the first time and then learning everything that goes along with that, um, whilst navigating a giant identity shift, you were also going through a breakup. Mm. 
Are you comfortable chatting about it? Oh, 100%. And I'm just going to negate the superwoman factor (laughs) as well because, oh, there's, you know, there's so much to learn and so many things that get done wrong. Um, But, yeah, navigating a breakup with a brand new baby was pretty, pretty rough. How old was Jock? Uh, I left his dad when he was eight weeks old. Oh, we started a trial separation when yep. he was eight weeks old. Um, and then at 12 weeks, I was like, yeah, no, nah, this is done. I'm out of here. So, yeah, he was a tiny, tiny little baby. Mm. And how did you find space for heartbreak and to heal while you had a tiny baby and you were a mum for the first time? Um, that's a good question. I actually think I did a lot of my grieving through the pregnancy. Um, I think that I knew before Jock was born that the relationship was going to end. Um, and it was at the moment that I held this child that I'd created that I just knew that I couldn't have that level of toxicity in his world. Um, So in terms of grieving, um, I I didn't grieve too badly, to be honest. The the relationship was so toxic and I was so unhappy and then I had this beautiful new baby who just changed my world and, um, wow, (laughs) I wasn't expecting to get emotional, sorry. Um, You know, he just became what was more important Mm. and... You know, if I think about some of the things that happened right before Jock was born, um, getting away from that was actually a relief. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, because I said heartbreak, but that was really an assumption. Um, you know, maybe maybe relief is a better word. It was relieving. I mean... Um, I'd tried everything that I could for a really, really long, prolonged period of time to make the relationship work. Mm. Um, And there had been so much heartbreak through that. So, yeah, by the time I ended it and was just, like, focused on my child and him being healthy and in a safe place, yeah, the the heartbreak had been done. Yeah. Yeah. It was just much more of a relief. Yeah. Um, and have you heard the word matrescence? Not until I listened to your podcast. <laughs> so how was your experience of matrescence affected by that period of time and that breakup? Um, so obviously matrescence is happening, you know, regardless of the situation, whatever you're going through. I think um, the first... 12 weeks leading up to leaving um it the the breakup probably took away some of my focus from what I felt like I should have been focusing on um I'm just trying to like it's been it's really interesting because I've thought so much about this since I knew I was going to be interviewed by you Um, but I hadn't quite thought about it in that way. Um, 
that shift in identity is so marked. Um, but I also was a mum. This didn't happen for quite a few women that I've spoken to who got like a serious bomb of oxytocin. So the first 14, 12 to 14 weeks, I was just like in heaven. Yeah. I was so in love. Um, this baby just was everything to me. Um, the sleepless nights, I was fine. Like I was coping, in fact, quite smug at times. I was like, <laughs> oh, I could do this 20 times. What are people talking about? Come on, it's easy. You know, that all changed at the four-month sleep progression. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I guess, yeah, I, I, the, love, the love that I felt completely overrode um, much else of mm. what was going on and probably the matrescence came for me quite a bit further down the track, I think. Yep. Mm, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, so. no, it does. Well, my, my sort of follow-up question was, do you think you still go through phases of identity shift now? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, just in thinking about it, I think the first two and a half years of Jock's life, I was so caught up in him and being with him and also having to kind of um, work out where I was going to live and how it was all going to work now that I'm on my own. Um and then at two and a half, Jock did a pretty epic shift into the terrible twos. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really struggled at that because whilst being a mum and parenting was so challenging before two and a half, when his personality kicked in, it just became, you know, twofold, let's say, <laughs> for want of a better saying. Um and that is when I think I really had to do a lot of work on my identity and how much it had shifted and how all of a sudden I was having to deal with a pretty strong personality and how that was triggering some pretty strong reactions in me and some pretty childish and, and um, I felt ashamed of some of my behaviours when that kicked in. So that was a real identity shift. I find it really uh, – I struggle to be the grown-up the whole time. Oh. Like, I'm like, I want to crack it. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, and often it's after the fact and you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> I cracked it. Um, in a really childish, pathetic way, what's wrong with you? And that's where I guess the identity shift kicks in because, you know, for so long we've been adults and haven't had that kind of adulthood challenged in quite a uh, – quite, uh, pressing kind of way mm. Mm. how do you and jock's dad co-parent or do you do you co-parent do you share custody how does that work yeah so i'm wouldn't say we co-parent we share we don't share custody i've got 71 percent mm. um custody and um he has him every second weekend, which has shifted a bit through COVID, like we're on good enough terms that there's a bit of flexibility there these days. Um, but generally he has him every second weekend for three nights and then one week on, one week off in the holidays. Um, my aim was always to try to co-parent. Um, unfortunately, that's a challenge that... Um, 
Jock's dad struggles with. So he, um, in his words, I'm on a needs-to-know basis, so <laughs> he's not really one to communicate. Um, and we just have very different styles of parenting. So part of the work, a lot of the work that I've had to do is just come to that place where I can only control what happens in our house and I really, really have to let um, a lot of stuff go. Mm. And that has been a huge identity shift just in itself, not having control over what happens in someone else's household, especially when some of those things are really sort of challenging, scary, you know, Mm. yeah. Do you, um, I don't know, this might not be a very nice question, um, but do you ever feel like you have to undo any work that's, or, you know, in terms of um, Jock's behaviour or um, or ways that he's gotten used to doing things with his dad that doesn't align with how you want to do things? Do you ever feel like you, like is there a period of adjustment when he comes back to you that's tricky for both of you? Yeah, um, not so much these days, mm. so I'm really grateful for that. Um, but when he did start going to his dad... Um, which was a bit later because we couldn't uh, – I need to be really careful about how I word particular things, but it's not. It's less about me and just always wanting to try and stay respectful to yeah. the situation. Um, so Jock didn't stay over the night with his dad until he was two and two, around two and a half um, – because that took a lot of negotiating. And when he did start staying over with his dad, he would come home so distraught, mm. um, mainly because he didn't want to leave his dad. Like, he, mm. Jock adores his dad. He's always loved him to bits, and his dad loves him so much. Um, and I always wanted to facilitate that relationship. Like, there was no way that I would ever step in the way of that. Mm. In fact, it was a really huge factor at the beginning. I made sure that our house was open. He could come whenever he wanted. Um, you know, for the first couple of years, Jock's dad was in our house bathing him every night. Like, we had to have that contact mm. all the time, which was a challenge in itself. However, um, yeah, when it was really, really difficult for the first couple of years when Jock would come home, um, he'd be screaming and crying and, like, just so distraught and Mm. telling me he hated me and he loved his dad and he wanted to be with his dad, which was just desperately painful on a number of levels, um, particularly to see him in that state, but also to know what I'd been through as an individual um, in that relationship and in the parenting journey um, to have your child visibly distraught and not want to be near you is painful, yeah. I imagine that's hard to to separate your experience with Jock's dad and Jock's experience with his dad. It is incredibly challenging and um I mean talk about being childish there are some times where um like biting the tongue 
is just so hard. Like it's so hard sometimes not to come out with some of the things I really want to say. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, and sometimes I do say something where I'm just like, that was just such a shit thing to say and I cannot believe that came out of your mouth. Um, and I have to learn to forgive myself for those moments as mm. well because, you know, when your child says things over and over again and you just know the reality is so different, um, sometimes something's going to come out. Um, but I try. I really try my best to stay respectful to his relationship with his dad and to make sure that he knows how much his dad loves him and... Yeah, mm. but that we're different. And we have really strong boundaries and um, an understanding around how different households work. Yeah. And he's been really adaptable to that. So, How do you find it um, just for you when Jock's with his dad? Mm. It's a real double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, I, I desperately need the time off and that, that break that mm. it gives me. Um, and sometimes it's easy and other times it's really hard. Um, Jock's done a massive shift lately, um, around six. He just had some kind of amazing brain awakening that was just unbelievable to watch um, and really, like, life-changing um, and just so joyous. And when that shift occurred he was going to his dad five nights a fortnight because we were in the middle of lockdown and I, I needed the space to be able to work and do my placements and all that kind of thing. Um, but that was so hard because it was like all of a sudden he needed me more than he ever has before and he was telling me things and discussing his emotions on a level that he never had before um, and telling me that, you know, he was waking up in the middle of the night and he couldn't wake his dad up if he'd had a nightmare and describing what was happening for him. Mm. And for me, that was just like, it tore my heart out to know that he was alone in the middle of the night. And I know, like, I know that you can't wake his dad up in the <laughs> middle of the night. So it was like, oh, I know this could actually and is probably happening. Mm. So that was really hard. But again, you know, I've had lots of therapy. Have therapy, people. It's great. It's, <laughs> it's needed. It's needed. Um, so I've done therapy around it and I do manage to bring myself back to that place where it's like I can only control what happens in my house. Um, and I try really hard not to think about some of the aspects that I think are quite risky and scary. Um, because if I do, I'll just get myself into a hole of terror. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just shit for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs to be in a hole of terror. <laughs> no. <laughs> that like a very nice place to be. Um, so you're currently studying. Mm. Do you have time to work as well? Or how does the child support system work? How does, how does that work? <laughs> the child support's non-existent mm. um, and I am in such a privileged position where I live with my mum and dad. I pay a small amount of rent um, to help pay off the mortgage that they re that they brought down to build our little garage out the back. Um, so 
I was working. I was doing just a um, in a part time position at a. Um, why would you go blank on <laughs> community health centre? <laughs> the brain never recovers. By the way, I don't mean to 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 make anyone feel concerned, but it never comes back. <laughs> Joking, it does sort of. Um, yeah, I was working part-time and then I decided I'd started my master's but um, I was doing it very, very slowly and I decided, no, nah, I'm just going to hit it. Mm. Um, I'll go as hard as I can. Like I still couldn't do full-time. Any woman out there who has children and works and does a master's full-time deserves props that I could not even, I can't even get my head around it. So I decided to resign from my job and do the, the masters as hard as I could which still wasn't full-time right before the pandemic hit oh. um and I'm just so grateful in hindsight that I quit my job when I did because working through the pandemic just would have been horrible um but also it really shifted my idea I was like I'm going to be back at uni on campus networking blah 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 and none of that happened mm. um but it's been a blessing in hindsight, you know, nearly two years on. Yep. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to the child support working. Yeah, how does that all work? Yeah, so Jock's dad doesn't pay any child support. He's not working. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> in a cruel twist of fate, uh, I've been having to pay child support uh, due to the percentage of time that Jock's dad has him at the moment, which is, I need to take really deep breaths before I talk on this subject. Um, it's very unfair mm. um, and the system is not set up to support women in that way. And in fact, when I get a job, I will have to be paying Jock's dad child support on a much higher scale um, for him to not be working, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure what else to say on that, mm. except that the injustice is large. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm. Just in terms of logistics, what do you do, say, if you and Jock are both unwell? Or when he was little, how did you have a shower? <laughs> or <laughs> when you get to that point where you're just at the end of your tether and you're tired and you're frustrated and you're exhausted and you need a minute... How do you manage those situations? Um, again, like living with my mum and dad and having such a supportive family has just been a godsend. Mm. Like I, I was saying to you before we even started the interview, there are single mums out there who are on their own with multiple children. Um, again, the admiration for women and the strength that they have just blows my mind. Um, in terms of me, I have my mum and dad right here and then my sister's a kilometre down the road. Um, and pre-COVID, pre it would just be a case of, um, I need to back out for a sec, can someone just watch Jock for a minute? Um, in terms of, you know, needing a break, having a shower, all of those things, like I just, Jock would just come with me wherever I was, you know, so... Um, that's how I managed that, but 
just super supportive family and yeah. so much gratitude for that. It's so yeah. nice. It's yeah, so nice. I would nice. have been lost, lost, lost without my family, particularly my mum and sister. Do you feel that there's a stigma attached to being a single parent, particularly as a woman? Yes, yep, I do. Um, I think I'm very lucky in the community that I've landed in um, where it's quite progressive and um, friends and family members are just really supportive and understanding of, A, why I made the choice, Mm to leave Jock's dad and be, um, I think that the people I've surrounded myself with would rather look at the strengths of being a woman on your own than focus on probably some more old-fashioned kind of Mm. thinking. Um, So I I haven't experienced stigma directly, but I see it um, in the way that the world is set up. Mm. women who are single with children That's, and that becomes you know part of the reason I'm studying social work is because I really want to be a part of shifting those um, unequal systems and structures that are in place. Do you find that people probably not people within your immediate circle but do you find that people assume that you want to be in a romantic partnership Mm, all the time (laughs) even you know obviously not within my close-knit group because they know how I feel but yeah people seem to be surprised or they just don't believe me when I say I don't want to be in a relationship it's like oh you're, you're just saying that because I don't know you can't get a man or something like um, that's not the issue. You know, if I really wanted to get myself a man, that probably wouldn't be a problem. But, um, yeah, there's just this assumption that relationships are more important than living your best life on your own. Mm. And I actually have a saying that um, I've heard this all my life and it's started to die away a bit, which I'm so grateful for, but there's... People say um, my oldest unmarried or will talk about women as never having been married and I hate it Mm. so much because I'm like being in a relationship doesn't determine your worth or, you know, your identity or any of those things. And sure, if you want to be in a relationship, props, go for it, 100%. But if you don't, that's also okay. Mm. Yeah. I think um, there's a there's a perception within the society that we live in that you need a partner to feel whole or happy. Um, well, how do you feel when people or do people say things to you like, the right person's out there for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, again, I think it's – I think about this a lot because I've got two girls mm. um, about making sure that their self-worth – is not attached to being partnered with someone. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know how to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, if you know how to make sure, can you let me know? <laughs> <laughs> I've got some ideas, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a slow shift, I think. Yeah, I think so too. 
Um, and I don't know that it it's a thing for men. No, I think if it is, it's to a far, far lesser degree. Absolutely. And it's bound up in, you know, the patriarchy. And I think with girls, the starting point is to not focus on their looks and their appearance and, you know, the sweet, nice, pretty, kind, gentle stuff that society tries to put on girls all the time. Mm. So I reckon that's where I'd be focusing in if I had girls is like, Learn who you are on the inside and follow what you want and appearance doesn't matter. That's not, you know, mm. that's not going to get you to where you need to be in life. What is is to learn about yourself and become aware of who you are and what you need and what you want and what, what your desires are. Mm. And just focus on that, building their strength and helping them to understand their power. Mm. Um, if I had a girl, that's what I'd be doing. For me, um, it's taken me years to get to a place where I've realised that actually I don't want a partnership. And I've said, you know, I'm not, I'm never say never. If the right man came along, I wouldn't be turning him away because I've taken a particular stance. But at the moment, um, my life is great and it's full, and I don't want the complications of someone else's needs and desires in my life. Um, particularly in a place where right now men, apologies to all the beautiful men out there, but men are just not appealing to me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. I've, I've been there, done that. Um, I've made some pretty questionable choices along the way. Um, and yeah, I just I just want to focus on me. And mm. I suppose, you know, when people do say the right person's out, someone said it to me recently and I was shocked. So the right person's out there, they'll come It feels come like along. such a weird thing to say to someone. Especially when that someone has, I have literally just told this person I'm single and I'm so happy and I don't want a relationship and they still put that on to me. I was, that's why I was shocked. I think I was like, did you, did I? I just said all of that and you're still... Anyway, confusing. Um, but, yeah, I just, if someone says that to me, I just, I'm like, that's about you, actually, and it's not about me. Massively mm. about them. Yeah. And I think a lot of that stuff is so ingrained that people don't even realise what's wrong with saying it. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What would you like society to know? 
about being a single parent? I'd like, I think, you know, it is so hard on so many levels. You know, as a single parent, you're awake in the middle of the night worrying about, you know, things and and you're on your own in that. Like, as much as I've got my parents and my sister and my family and close friends to talk to, you still have that sole responsibility for this little person. Mm. Um, And particularly, I think, in instances where you're worried about what's happening in another household, it can be so draining and taxing and lonely um, to have that worry on, on your shoulders on your own. Also, there are some real injustices out there um, for single parents, particularly women, because of how um, our society is set up that I think go unnoticed because why would you why would you have to think about it or look into it if you're not in that position? So mm. it's so understandable. But I guess if ever you're talking to a single parent, having those things in mind would be great to develop empathy mm. for um, people's situations. Are you um, able or comfortable or happy to give me an example? Well, I think the child support thing is Mm. an example so um jock's dad's made a choice not to work yeah um and i've made a choice to study and try to build a really strong future for myself and for jock um and the fact that i've gone through what i've gone through to try to get to that place to build a better future for us and then i have to give money back to him is just an injustice that makes my blood boil. Is he able to work physically? Yeah, he's able. Yeah, he is able to. The injustice of that, I think particularly given um, some of the hostility and rigidity uh, that we've been through, um, giving up hard-earned money that should be going to his child Mm. because um, a structure has deemed that he needs to be paid is just it's just so wrong on so many levels what are you proud of oh Oh, that's such a good question um I actually can't take credit it was my sister's question how good are sisters (laughs) Uh, like half of what I'm saying is probably based on what my sister's done for me as well so um what am I proud of um I'm proud of my son to start with. Um, He's an incredible little kid. And I'm like, I'm really proud of myself. You know, I I haven't done anything perfectly. I still have major flaws as an individual. Um, Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. That's true. However, some people just seem to present themselves so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm proud of what I've achieved and... I think I actually think what I'm most proud of is knowing myself, having done the work throughout the years to understand who I am and what I need and how best to achieve that so that I can give my kid the best of me. Mm. Um, I think I'm proud of that, yeah. Yeah. How do you, this is a similar question I suppose, but how do you feel about yourself now? Or, I'll word it differently, if 2021 Kalai 
could talk to four months postpartum, Kalai, what would you say? I would have so much compassion and empathy. Um, and I think if I, could, if I could have that conversation or be present with myself at that stage, I would just want to hold my hand um, and just say, just keep going, just keep living, you know, work through the depression and the anxiety and you'll come out the other side. But life, life, like the, it's such a cliche, but the journey thing is so real. Like there is no destination in this life. It's about living in the journey and taking the good and the bad and living through it all and trying to be present. That's probably what I'd say. I've spent such a huge chunk of my life trying to escape whatever I'm in in the moment. Um, yeah, so one of my greatest learnings is is to be more present and to be grateful for what's happening right now. Mm. Yeah. You just mentioned um, depression and anxiety. What have been some of your biggest challenges since having Jock? Anxi- like anxiety is one of my biggest challenges. And this is going to sound really like people who don't have this phobia are just going to be like, what? One of the biggest challenges is I have emetophobia, which is a fear of vomiting. Mm. Um, I'm scared of vomiting myself and I'm also very scared of other people vomiting. So having a baby, <laughs> firstly being pregnant and then having a baby. Did um, you have morning sickness? I well, did. I was so ill, oh. but I I didn't vomit ever because I'm very very good at not vomiting. Until I I made it all the way through to 32 weeks. Woke up in the middle of the night with just severe heartburn. So I got it was like three o'clock in the morning. Got up, drove to Seven Eleven to get <laughs> medication for this heartburn. Took the tablet and sculled it, and then just like puked everywhere and I was like 32 weeks I made it but also I'm always so proud of myself when I do do a vomit I'm like I vomited (laughs) yes amazing um anyway but so that's an anxiety thing that um emetophobia so coping with the anxiety particularly when Jock has gastro or looks like he's getting gastro or says he has a sore stomach or anything like that that's one of my biggest challenges that feels so ridiculous to say. How was it when he was really little and babies, I don't know if he was Constantly, a particularly yeah. spewy baby, but they just they just spewed. Yeah. Was that or could you or was that just sort of like you know, did you go that's a bit just spitty uppy yeah. fine? Totally different. So it's when people are Yeah, it's like if gastro like also real human vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. This has probably taken <laughs> such a weird turn. You're like, I wasn't expecting the vomit talk. I'm sorry for those who do have a metaphobia because it can be really triggering as well. Even hearing the word. Um, yeah, no. When he was a tiny baby, that was fine. Mm. But we did have one. I did have one instance when he'd um, had his first vaccination. And I learnt the hard way. I had these wire baskets filled with his clothes, um, butted up against the change table, and I learnt the hard way that I should not have the bum facing the wire <laughs> baskets. So 
He was vomiting and shitting everywhere and he did this projectile shit that went through the top drawer of the baby clothes all the way, dribbled all the way down through. And they were all freshly washed. Middle of the night, like 4 a.m. That's gone completely off (laughs) off what we were talking about. But, yeah, that's a, you know, single-parent moment where it was just like there was just shit everywhere. It was 4 a.m. I hadn't slept. Um, Single-parent moment where I was just like, what the hell do I do? I've got this baby who's sick, obviously. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so the poo just got left there. (laughs) It's like, we'll we'll just let the clothes stew in that until the morning. (laughs) and deal with it tomorrow. (laughs) Um, I got completely off topic, sorry. Oh, we were talking about challenges, but that's a, uh, that's a pretty yeah, big one. That, that, that is a really big challenge for me, but I guess the main, like the hugest one has been um, dealing with hostility and trying to maintain a relationship um, where there's been some challenges, like really difficult behaviours. Mm. Um, that's been a huge challenge. And then I've spoken of it already, but um, trying to accept that I can't. Like when Jock's at his dad's, I just have to sit back and let everything go mm. um, and only manage what I can manage when he's with me. So, yeah, there have been some really big challenges. So what's something empowering that you would say to parents? I would say that regardless of the fact that you've become a mum or a parent, your needs are still so relevant um, and they shouldn't be pushed to one side. In fact, I would say to new parents, set up boundaries around your needs and make them stick because if you let those bits of you go, I feel like they're pretty hard to come back to and it's much more of a struggle than if you just from day dot Regardless of being a parent, you just hold on to those bits of yourself that you need and want. Yeah. And also, empowering, I would say listen to the yes brain child. Um, There's also the whole brain child, which I think is the first book. I haven't even listened to that. But the yes brain child really helped me to understand how small brains work and why kids are the way they are and, you know, even it just gave me a mantra to repeat to myself ad nauseum, which was developing brain, developing brain, <laughs> developing brain, and it helped. <laughs> That's good. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to talk about? I don't know. No, I think in the lead up um, to this interview, I was thinking a lot about what what the decision was and why I made the decision to leave and have Jock on my own. And, you know, quite a few examples came up um, around the toxic nature of the relationship I was in. Um, And that's not necessarily, you know, to share them publicly or widely, but um, it was a really great experience to go to troll back through stuff that I hadn't thought about for a really long time and to think about, A, how difficult that was being pregnant, um, 
knowing that I couldn't trust the person that I was with and doing things like making sure that my mum was my birthing partner because I couldn't guarantee 100% that I would have someone or my partner with me at the birth. Um, and, and knowing actually how close it came, like the day before um, I went into labour, I went early, I was 37 weeks, um, Jock's dad was just so drunk, um, he sort of passed out on the nature strip and this was about 12 hours before I went into labour. Um, and he ended up sleeping most of the way through my labour on the hospital floor. <laughs> so I was so grateful to have thought ahead and had my mum with me. What a massive um, like additional burden for you to have had to plan that. Yeah, it was really, it, it was hard, it was stressful and I think that's why when you asked me um, how did you go with the heartbreak, like I'd processed so much before um, I'd given birth, you know, th- like I said, it was a relief um, after some of these examples, like one of the, I think I was four days postpartum, um, my milk had just come in, which is a time, you know, <laughs> anyone who's been there knows that the milk coming in is, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, I'd had um, an episiotomy and I was in agony um, and so, and I wasn't getting enough milk and I think Jock, I think our midwife had come that day and said, oh, he's looking a bit yellow. Um, so I needed to get my milk supply up, but I couldn't sit down. So I had to feed him and pump and like, I literally couldn't sit down. So I needed help. Like I really needed help and I couldn't wake his dad up. So I had to call my mum at like three or four o'clock in the morning and ask her to come over, even though I had a very able-bodied world person right there. Um, Yeah, and it was just like experiences like that that really, trawling back over them just made me proud of myself that I made, A, made the decision and B, it was the right decision and C, now I'm here with this beautiful, healthy six-year-old amazing kid who you know whose life could have looked really different had I not made that decision was it a scary decision to make it sounds like it was a um a decision that you made over the course of however many months but that you always knew was the right decision yeah uh it was a scary decision to make in terms of um where am I going to live? How am I going to survive? Because I desperately wanted Jock and I to have our own place. And in fact, we did stay in, in the place that we were living in um, for a couple of months while we were trying to make the decision. But then, you know, as it turned out, as a single parent, there's no way I could afford to pay rent by myself, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, have gone up significantly by now. So those aspects of the decision were scary. Um, but I think I said earlier, like the moment I held this little boy and, you know, there were, there were a couple of small incidences after he was born that just made me know that he just didn't, I didn't ever want him to be exposed to 
A, the toxicity, and B, me, who I was in that relationship. I just didn't want him to see me like that. Um, And, you know, we've all got our faults and our issues, but that relationship brought out a a couple of sides to me that I never want to see again. So the decision was easy. Um, The logistics were challenging. That's a really succinct way to put it. I think you're so brave and I don't want that to sound, I don't know if that sounds condescending or not. But no, I'm it's really kind. I do, I think you're so brave because it's such a huge time when you have a baby and to make such a massive change. I can't, I can't imagine it but I think you're phenomenal, Kali, really, like... Like, and to do it because you knew that it was the best thing for you and for Jock is phenomenal. I think you should be so proud. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But, yeah, seriously. Oh, that's so lovely. And I guess, I guess when you live it, you just, it, it's just what you're doing, you know, mm. and you're just getting through the days and... And I think I've said to people before that the because th- I think people like, how did you do it with such a young baby? And I was just like, to be honest, like the shit that I was living was so painful and so horrible mm. that the young baby and me on our own was just the best possible thing. Mm. And, you know, it gave me the opportunity to set up our routine and just have it me and him and work our way like really work our way through those first weeks where you're just trying to learn and discover. And I just got all this time with him that I wouldn't have had. I would have been putting energy into something that didn't deserve energy. Mm. And even like in our trial separation, which happened at the eight-week mark, we were going to counselling and the counsellor suggested a, a trial separation Um, And in that time, like, his dad would only come over when Jock was awake. And so he'd be texting me, being like, asking me, when will he be awake? And this is a a newborn baby, right? So I'm like, I don't fucking know when he's going to be awake or asleep. And it won't be for long. (laughs) Yeah, and if he is awake, that, you know, that's great. But also, you know, we're on a trial separation where, you know, we're meant to be trying to work things out. So... You know, there's washing to be done, there's cleaning to do. I'm a breastfeeding mother, like, I'm starving, I can't get myself food. Like, you know, it was that kind of thinking where, yeah, it was just like, I don't need this. Mm. do not need this. I need to be focused on my kid and not focused on another child. A giant child. Yeah. Um, Was, did he push back at all? in terms of separating? Um, yeah, in yes, he did, but in a really destructive, non-constructive kind of way, mm-hmm. uh, which only served to prove why I was doing it, why I was leaving. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, I just, yeah, I don't really have words for how much I admire you. I just, I just think you're amazing. 
so so amazing thank you I like I don't even know what to say to that because honestly I just think all all women and mums are amazing you know and actually from my perspective a lot of the time I'm like god women who put up with the men (laughs) how do you do it you're incredible (laughs) so it goes both ways (laughs) sorry men again I'm not a bitter and twisted person over here but I definitely am happy not to have some of the challenges that come with relationships yeah Thank you so much for today. Oh, no, thank you. This has been amazing. No, you've been really, really honest and, and, and generous with with your experience. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for interviewing me. It's awesome. Anytime. It was lovely to see you as well. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, we got there. I know. <laughs> we probably had more of an in-depth conversation than we would have if we had just gone. Indeed. Yeah, we really did go hard in Thank you, Kalai, for this insightful and honest conversation. If you're in a relationship and you need support, you can call 1-800-RESPECT. They're a 24-hour counselling service and there's a link to their website in the show notes. Mummification is produced and hosted by me, Brodie Matner. Our beautiful music is composed by Ben Talbot Dunn. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You'll be notified when a new episode is released and it helps us reach new audiences, which in turn will hopefully help more women feel less alone. Thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.